From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State, and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors. With your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Something sounds different. What do you mean? I don't hear anything. What do you, what do you mean you don't hear anything? I don't hear any mosquitoes buzzing around. Oh, because we're in the studio. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> Boy, last weekend <laughs> was incredible. Right I've never seen so many mosquitoes. With four thermocells burning and still have mosquitoes. You know what? I I, I am a big fan of uh, the thermocell. We'll get into it in a minute. I just wanted to welcome everybody into the show this morning. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to give us a call, you know you're always welcome to at 888-404-1010. That's 888-404-1010. You can call us and talk about anything that's on your mind or something you uh, saw on the news or you got a question or anything like that. But uh, let me go down the, the roll call this morning because, as we know, it changes weekly. <laughs> so I am here, Braden Gunn, and uh, Glenn Kidman is here, and then uh, there's Bart. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's the original Big and Wild Trio right here in the studio this yes, morning. It's a great reunion. Jonathan is out uh, taking care of some more business uh, up there in uh, Blentstown. You know, I saw a little special this past week or so about the beginning of the week. Just how bad it actually still is up there in Mexico Beach that uh, doesn't get any press or, you know, they're not talking about it. This isn't New Orleans, you know, so we don't have all the the misery stories and everything else being flashed on the news every single week uh, like we did after uh, New Orleans got hit yeah. by Katrina. But uh, you know what? You really want to see devastation? Here's something that's kind of funny. Go how in is devastation and, funny? Go in and... Google or do a search, whatever you want to do, duck, duck, go, whatever, <clears throat> for property for sale in Mexico Beach. Lots of it. There's lots of property, like empty lots and lots of people getting out of there, you oh, know, yeah. but there's a nice, you know, you can go get yourself a nice beachfront lot up there for about a quarter of a million dollars. There's nothing on it, but Maybe there you pitch go. A it's tent, right there. I guess you could. Or, you can go up there and feed all the sand fleas. Park a camper up there or whatever you want to do, but it's mm-hmm. amazing how even though a hurricane has rushed through there, it didn't reduce property values whatsoever. No, property value, no. Home value just went to zero because it's not there anymore. But um, I, when I made the drive over uh, probably about three months ago over to uh, Pensacola, uh, going just past Tallahassee, you can really start to see the damage on the side of the road, and it gets to the point to where you got to remember, there's miles and miles and miles you can't see on that interstate, just that little spot that you're driving through, and it was total devastation. I mean, it was like like a movie hurricane or a movie tornado rolling through there. This thing's huge. If you look at the uh, any of the real estate websites or anything like that that always give you the aerial view of mm-hmm. the area and stuff like that, and it does. It looks like yeah. the pictures you see after Hiroshima. Yeah, just everything uh, trees, laid over. Trees all stripped out and uh, just twigs hanging everywhere. I mean, it's a lot. So anyway, that's why Jonathan is not here. Chain, I mean, chainsawing it up. He's uh, spending a lot Still of time cleaning up there. it all up there. That's for sure. It is. He's he's really working his butt off up there. But anyway, uh, so he's not here. And then Bill George is out hanging around. He's going to be our in the field reporter today. Maybe. He's, he's, maybe he'll get busy and he'll never call. But 
He's out at Camp Mac this morning. They're having a little gator get-together out there. I think uh, they got some experts out there to kind of give you a little rundown on some of the best methods to get out and catch your lizard and uh, have a good time out there. So if you have nothing to do and you're out in that area, go out there and hang out with Bill George today. Who else is out there? Dave Marquette? Yeah. Think, isn't Captain Dave, Dave is uh, one that I guess is really leading it, uh, but it was, uh, I guess, sponsored uh, by Guy Harvey. Oh, really? I yeah. wonder if he'll show. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, Bill said uh, he looks for him to show up. I mean, he's sponsoring it, and uh, hmm. so we'll see you know, if he gets out there or not, get his picture taken. <clears throat> well, he'll be out there giving everybody some good advice on I think he's going to try to trade him out a Guy Harvey shirt for, and give uh, up one of his Bill George's shirt. <laughs> Do a trade. <laughs> Do a trade on even Steven? Yeah. You don't know me, but the world knows you. Let's trade shirts. And then they'll know <laughs> you not? as Bill George. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Guy Harvey must really like that guy. He's wearing his shirt. That's his awesome. stick figures are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill George made it himself. No, but he'll be out there at Camp Mac uh, today, hanging out all day, and hopefully he'll give us a little call and give us a little rundown on what's happening out there and what they're doing. I think it goes on pretty much for the whole day, doesn't it? Yeah, it's an all-day event, and, uh, well, until probably I think it's over at 4. So that's pretty much an all-day. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be a good hot day for it. So, oh, yeah. Good, good thing is, though, Camp Mac has several large live oaks to get up under and uh, get a little shade. And of course, if you can just get the wind to blow just right, you'll have that little you'll have a little bit of cooling effect underneath the trees with a little breeze. Do you remember that time we were out there a million years ago, and there was that pit bull that would climb up that tree, the one right there by yeah. the the main building? I've never seen a dog climb a tree so fast in my life. And it was almost you know well, and the tree's Chasing pretty squirrels. vertical, so yeah. But he'd get pretty. He'd get high up in the tree. Way up there, you know. I'm we're talking like a real huge. How old do you think that tree is? Two, yeah. three, four hundred years uh, old. It ain't that old. I would have to guess probably at least maybe a nineties. No maybe way. No. Break out the break out the chainsaw. Let's find out. There's limbs. <laughs> there there are limbs out there almost as big around as a twenty five uh, gallon barrel of oil. I mean, it's it was anyway. The dog would just run and uh, through the trees like it was nothing. Like, he had paths all through there. I don't know if that's... I'm sure he's long dead. He probably, probably got run over by somebody backing up an airboat that didn't know what they were doing. Maybe. Oh, oh man. Somebody got cloud. He's gone. Uh, I think our fishing trip's over today, guys. <clears throat> Is this your dog? Um, anyway, so Camp Mac, beautiful spot. Going to be out there underneath the big live oak trees out there having their gator seminar today. So go out and see them. How much time we got left before, uh, before gator season? Yeah, it doesn't kick off until in August, but oh, that's right, August. Uh, the application period, it's its coming up here the first part of, I believe it's in May. The important it part. May, yeah, it may yeah. be the end of this month. Uh, I'm not real sure, but I know it's coming up, and, uh, and the drawings will be uh, set up in, I believe, June. And uh, You're going you gonna to do the blast text like you did a few years ago where you're nope. telling everybody to go ahead and put in for so that way we can nah. probably see what lakes we can we can get. He ain't saying nothing, man. Are oh. you kidding? Last year was the first year he got tags in how many years? Uh, it was a quite Three some or time. Four? But no, I don't think it's gonna be as um hot an item as it has been in the past, of course, you know, with the market prices. The market. Down. A lot of people were doing it and uh, to enjoy doing it, but also to recoup the the financial cost of it all, uh, with the uh yeah, processing you, and selling it and, and getting your uh, expense money back. But uh, with the market completely, uh, I just say, 
shut down as far as that goes. Uh, it's not, a lot of people that were doing it and looking for the uh, return didn't do it much last year. So there was a decline in those people last year, and this year I look for the same. Then maybe a little, a few more. Well, I, the only benefit of that for everybody else is you're probably going to get more out-of-state people coming down for the adventure to be able to hunt an alligator and do all that kind of stuff. And if they want to keep the uh, trophy portion of it or the hide or whatever, then they can do that. But chances are that the person who's putting on the hunt, the guide or whatever, will end up with the meat. And then the more meat that's out there, the cheaper the prices, and it's all good. One of the guys I I work with uh, last year, he, he, he I think his gator was right at seven foot or just under, but right at seven foot, just saying – um, he doesn't eat alligators. He says anything that uh, smells as bad and eats all the dead stuff, he's not eating it. He's not putting it on his table, you know. But <laughs> he just did it because he wanted to take his son on something different, and uh, so they did. And of course, that gator they sold it for thirty four dollars. Thirty four dollars. Thirty four dollars. Wow, that's that's, that's like, really that's like ten times less than what <laughs> we sold out mine for all those years you, ago. I'm telling you, thirty five bucks for thirty five dollars. Whether you eat it or not, I'm keeping every bit of that. And that's what he said. He said, man, if my buddies knew that I, I sold that gator for $34. Um. <laughs> that's not even three-quarters of a tank. No, it's not. It wasn't even worth what he ran. So, I, I, I got a question. There, so what, what, what is it that made the market bottom out like it did? I mean, is it just That's the Bill George question. Well, oh, yeah. I would I would assume it's that a, the hide. it's the hide, and you now have all these uh, farms yeah. you know, that are out there. Uh, thank goodness for the... The uh, Florida Egg Exchange for hijacking, where you have all these other states that are growing alligators yeah. now, and they can keep pristine hides. You know, they keep them in a, in a yeah, controlled environment yeah. where they don't have scars and nastiness and wounds and everything else like that. Where uh, you know, when they get to a certain length and it's the perfect hide, you know, boom, by boom, they're done, and they yeah. feed them a nice diet. As as Glenn pointed out, they're they're not the kind of alligator that. You know, eats on a bloated cow on the side of a pond for about four or five days. And yeah, then, that's true. You know, they're fed a nice thing of chicken and turkey leftovers or whatever it is that they're snacking on and feeding those gators. So the meat itself probably tastes a little bit better than it would be if it was, uh, you know, some 12-foot uh, culvert yeah, living. Swamp, yeah, swamp monster. Yeah, that's been living on uh, raccoons and roadkill for, you know, 50 years. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're, okay, I get it. I mean, I just, I had no idea, so I just kind of wanted to, you know, to see if y'all had a better idea, but it makes sense. You know, you flood it in with farmed animals, you know, you go out and try to harvest the wild, it's going to knock the price down, you know, e- basic economics. Well, even even people like, uh, was it Jay Paul and uh, his son? They got a gator farm out there. I know they're still on swamp people getting them the old-fashioned way, but they right. also have a gator farm out there. So it's not just getting out getting wild alligators. It's, I guess, a way to supplement their income. Well, I mean, I, I totally extras. understand, and I understand, you know, why. Uh, Extra so, money, less yeah, work? I don't know. Exactly. You know, Is it less work? I don't wouldn't think, think so. It's easier. all work. Get up. I think it'd it's be just easier to work. Yeah, get up with a five gallon bucket and walk out there and go, "Here, boys!" You know, and then they get to be about five, six feet. You know, pow, pow, pow. I don't know how they dispatch them, but then it's a done deal. Hmm. All right, we got to take a real quick break, you guys. Stay with us. We got more to go. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today on this show. Seriously, I got brought a big old stack of papers. Glendon's sending me show prep all week. Did you see this? Did you see that? Oh, my God. Look at this. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I will would like to discuss the debate you started on our Facebook page and uh, get a little more in-depth on that one. 
because I got some stuff to say about that. I'm sure you do. Uh huh. 888 404 1010. That's 888 404 1010. We're the Big and Wild Outdoors, brought to you by G5 Feed and Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Glenn, and Bart in the studio today. Hey. We are hanging out in here and uh, in the AC and the air conditioning, and it's a beautiful sight to behold to be out here and where it's nice and cold. I am enjoying it. So. Yes, yeah, not really nice, but the air conditioner blowing at fifty miles an hour. It's like really it. good. Cool air. It's all good. I'm loving it. You got well, a big old box of donuts. Uh, Bart has jumped in it with both feet. So you got to uh, hang. I jumped in with one hand. No, he's, those are two handed donuts. They are big huge. As they are. They're, they're huge, like, <laughs> and they are amazing. They're like eating a pound cake, but mm-hmm. they are delicious. Well, I'd like to say if you haven't made plans, the 27th of this month we'll be out at Fishhawk Sporting Clays uh, supporting. The Trinity Sportsman's Ministries clay shoot. Uh, if you've not uh, participated in that opportun- uh, in that event, now is a good time, and the opportunity is still available. Um, these uh, this shoot's based is really set up for uh, Trinity Sportsman's Ministry. It's their fundraiser in helping uh, promote archery as well as uh, sharing the Word of God. So, if you're looking for something to do or don't have any plans made for the April the 27th of this month. Make plans. Go to trinitysportsmansministry.com. That's trinitysportsmansministries.com. Or you can uh, find it on our Facebook page. Get your registration, your four-man team to come out and shoot against. Uh, Braden, you shooting with G5 this year? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's what happens when you're a ringer. You know, yes, <laughs> people start uh, saying, hey, can you be on our team? Well, and, uh, whenever you finally hit the uh, 30 out of 50 last year, I guess everybody wants you now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more like 48. <laughs> so. So, well, that was pretty good, though, but uh, I- I'm looking forward to it. It's always a great time, good food and uh, good fellowship. And, of course, a lot of people uh, come out and enjoy that festivity. It's it, it always a good time out there, and it doesn't matter – it's all for fun, and everybody gets out there. I don't think it's, I don't know, I don't think it's as serious as it used to be, like uh, the Norman Schwarzkopf one. I mean, that was, you know, I mean, they were, you'd look around and you'd see, like, wasn't that guy in the Olympics last year? I think those last four guys. <laughs> Didn't that guy take a silver and a gold and a bronze over there in the yep. shooting sports of the Olympics? And when you look around, you're like, oh, oh yeah, we, we don't have a prayer. We don't have a prayer in this place. Can I get 175 uh, mulligans, please? There's only 50 clays, man. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. you got to buy your way through the whole thing. It's terrible. Uh, it's going to be a, a tough one. But that one's always fun, and out of Fishhawk is always a good time. You're out there in the shade and the comfort of uh, the, the nice, breezy, open area out there. It's a, it's a beautiful one. I mean, it's a really nice facility, and it's run really well. And uh, it'll get done. Get out there. You'll get it to goes eat. Really, it goes surprises. really fast, the way everything is set up, the way it goes, the course layout. Um, so registration is at 8 o'clock. Uh, the shoot starts at 9. There is with practice rounds. And, of course, uh, 9.30, the event main is really kicks off. It'll um, be, uh, 12 yeah. o'clock is the awards and raffle and, of course, the lunch. And uh, if you're a church out there that's looking for something to do, they also have uh, Dennis come up with this concept a couple of years ago and. I tell you, man, there's a church that shows up, and, of course, they have three or four teams. And um, <clears throat> But we, we gave them a run for their money last year. That's right. <clears throat> we certainly did. 
But it was it's called the Church Cup, and of course the uh, the trophies that Dennis has uh, made for this event is where we kind of I copied him for our panfish tournaments, and that's where uh, our panfish comes out the way it is. Mm-hmm. Really nice. As bad as it turns out, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I, I will. Uh, I was invited to uh, shoot on the G five team this year, which which is okay because that would open up a slot for somebody else on the big and wild team and get them out there and get them done. So uh, I'm sure you have someone in mind. Is it a ringer? Am I? Uh, are you bringing in an expert, or is this a? Uh... I don't know if he's an expert, but I know that uh, he enjoys doing uh, doing those shoots, and of course, by uh, so otherwise, otherwise he's he's done this before. This is not something. It's not a newbie. Yeah, he's done it before, and of course the uh, okay. I'm feeling a little pressure now. One of the teams that he's usually invited to shoot with, uh, they'll probably be a little disappointed with him uh, coming over to oh really the big and wild. So. Oh, see, it's a shift. It's a well, shift in teams. You, you know that you guys can't put another person and you know in in a, in a spot somewhere in there, you know, to kind of even out the playing field. What do you mean, like put the poor shooter on we somebody got, else? Got, no, y'all can put me in there so I can give Braden a run for his money. No, yeah, I was gonna say, we got Bill George already in this. <laughs> Bart can't hit anything. Are you kidding? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a complete horrible shot. He is. He's a horrible wing shooter. No, yeah, definitely a horrible wing shooter. Wing shooter, horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Now put a rifle in his hand, it's a different thing. Yeah. No, no go with a pistol. Shotgun pistol. Pfft. Yeah, he sucks. Sorry. And I will say that uh, I'll it's been be years since you've seen it, buddy. Yeah, it's been years since you. It's been years since you've done it. That's the thing. It's gonna be. Out of, I'm a little rusty out here this morning. Give me a break, fellas. You, you may get, tell me I wasn't supposed to bring the single shot four ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be that guy I just told you about. I need 137 Mulligans, please. <laughs> be what it is. Uh, also, there's an event coming up out of G5. Speaking of them. Uh, our good friend Lori Deaton and her uh, crew is going to be out there on Thursday, April 25th. There'll be food, there'll be drinks, there'll be giveaways, there'll be raffles, there'll be all that kind of good stuff. She's going to be out there doing a little uh, uh, little seminar out there, a little bait seminar, and she's going to do a little uh, cast net uh, class out there, Bart, and uh, with a Barracuda Flats casting net, she'll be out there throwing everybody the the uh, the technique that she likes to use out there. And you can come out there. It's absolutely free. We invite you to come on out there and go to uh, G5 Feed and Outdoors. You can go to their website and everything, give you all the times. I think we start at uh, 6, 7, 6, 6.30, somewhere around there. I don't know. You work there. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> so you think I would know these things. But uh, Lori's going to be out there bringing her crew with her. The whole, uh, what is it, the Europro team, they're going to be out there. And uh, rumor is, is that Brooksy Hall may even show up. He might. You just never know about that guy. Now that guy can throw a cast net. He's like everywhere. Fifty There's, miles. You, you you might see him over here today, and next thing you know, five minutes, and he's down the street. Somewhere. Or out on a boat somewhere. <laughs> always something going on. Depending how on how the fishing's going. How did you get there? Yeah, I wish he's teleporting. And uh, also coming up this Thursday, Captain Little and myself and my children will uh, skip out of school early on Thursday and hit the water. Oh, That'd be a great time. Go out there and do some fishing. Just before the, uh, what is it, the full moon or the moon phase right there, it's going to be a good time. And I think there's going to be another front pushing through on Friday. So hopefully that'll be a good be a good time to be, wanna, out, be, yeah. out there, be out there fishing. So be a little more active in the water. I hope so. I heard rumors of, you know, 50 snook days this past uh, week. Who did you hear that rumor from? Uh, must have been uh, must have been a rumor because nobody would say that. They're definitely not on the beaches. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. 
Bart. There was ladyfish everywhere, but there was no snook. Hey, you know what? My kids don't care what they're catching. I, I mean, either. it's a totally different thing. That's one of the beautiful things about taking your kids fishing is uh, they don't care what they're catching as long as they're catching. And that that leads me right into our Panfish Challenge, which is coming up in June. And if you have not called the Panavista Lodge and reserve your spot, uh, you need to do so. Chances are it's going to be very thin or limited. You better uh, hurry up. I don't know how it's got to be so happy and so much fun, but it has turned into a great event every single year. And a lot of folks and families show up out there and let the kids go loose and give them a cane pole or a Zebco 202 or an 808 or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. And get out there and do some fishing, and you can win some fabulous prizes and money. Uh, you know, we're giving away some money out there for that. We always do. Uh, thanks to the good folks out of Brandon Ford, they stepped up, and we're going to be able to give away about, uh, what, at least uh, right now I think we're up to, what, at least a 1000 bucks in cash? Yeah, uh, and it always increases as it gets closer to the event, and our good friends out there at Southeastern Tackle, they're always uh, very supportive of it. It's, it's all about promoting uh, taking the kids fishing, and that's what it really boils down to is just a, a family event to come out and enjoy it where it's not any pressure at all. The nope. only pressure you have is the kids putting it on you. Dad, find us a bed. Mom, get us over there to, a little closer to it, or whatever the case may How be. How come but, they're catching fish over there? We're yeah, not catching yeah. fish over here. Well, so, let's move. But, again, uh, Southeastern Tackle, uh, they step up year after year for that. And, of course, you know, we always say the first 100 kids that are registered into the event, they end up either with a telescopic uh, fiberglass pole or a Zepco 202 and some bait. It's you know some tackle That's whatever right. the case is it just changes year after year as far as the the uh, little <clears throat> side items go but uh, again, those kids walk away with a ton of stuff they really yeah. do I mean uh, for the cost of what it costs to actually get in there what are we at now we're are we sticking with twenty five or yeah it's twenty five dollars a boat thirty five day of the event now when we but, say per boat that means you could have as many people as the boat uh, coast guard little tag on the back allows so if you get a you get out there and you rent one of the pontoon boats. If you want to put 10 people on that bad boy, if it'll hold it, psh, go out and do it. It's only 25 bucks. The more lines in the water, the better chance you have. For your 12 heaviest, heaviest panfish. That's right. And, uh, of course, if you do the 12 combination, then we also have the biggest shell cracker and the biggest bluegill. Uh, blue so, speaking uh, of limits. Speaking when, of what limit? Yeah, panfish, the limits on our Facebook page post. Conversation that took place this week. We'll share it when we get back. We are being a wild outdoors brought to you by Brandon Ford G5 Feeding Outdoors. We'll be right back. been around forever man for a long time welcome back everybody it's a big and wild outdoors Braden, glenn and bard in the studio today along with aaron she's over there on the other side ready to take your calls at 888-404-1010 888-404-1010 and i'm giving you that number because we really like your input on this uh little post that glenn put up on our facebook page last night that uh it has actually been a raging kind of debate this past week uh there are rumors floating around. I know that there were some guides and some captains who were looting. Uh, I don't know where they read it. I don't know where they got the ideas from, but uh, there's rumors of floating around that uh, there may be some legislation to try to limit the amount of bait fish that you can pull on board your, your boat. Um, there was a number of like 50, you know, 50 fish being floated around. I know that sounds like a lot when it comes to panfish, but it doesn't sound like a lot when you're coming to bait fish. And um, we'll have to give you some more information on that. But anyway, uh, the post reads as follows. Uh, from my FWC, 50 panfish, including bluegill, red ear, sunfish, shellcracker, 
pliers, long ears, uh, sunfish, mud sunfish, shadow bass, spotted bass, the stump knocker, uh, warm mouth and red breasted uh, sunfish individually or total. That's what they're saying. But uh, you had an interesting conversation this week about what uh, people should keep and what is your limit. And I thought that was a pretty interesting little opened question. And uh, we were talking about it just off the air there. And uh, it is funny because the way that they word it is, what is your limit? You know, some people's limit can be different than others. And we had this discussion over deer as well. Yeah, and it goes hand in hand with anything what we do that has a uh, limit. And, of course, uh, what I – you know, if I want to catch 50 of the panfish combination, of course you said spotted bass, but it's spotted perch. Um, if I want to keep 50, then I'm not breaking the law, but you may look at it as like, man, you're just being uh, gluttonant there, man. You're just taking all them fish for what purpose, and you don't need 50 fish. And it kind of goes uh, with the legislation that just changed into one of our northern states where it was 50 of uh, the uh, perch up there but now it's 25 and what course, state was that do you know michigan, michigan. Yeah. okay and uh so here in the state of florida we do have a good uh basket limit of 50 panfish and uh per person and, per person and it's been it's been like that for a long long time and i can remember as a young kid um there was like it i don't even remember if there was a limit when i was in my early years but uh now there is there are definitely the limits are out there and it's 50 per person um so it kind of went in hand with uh, about a week ago. I knew a guy that had caught, like, they just say they caught 100 fish, two people fishing. There was 100 fish in the boat. And, of course, what that person's going to do with them now is, all right, I'm not, what are you going to do with them? Well, I'm going to give them to so-and-so. I ain't cleaning all them fish. And what's the purpose of catching all the fish? Well, I like to catch them. Well, well, you can catch and release. I mean, it's just as easy. Well, as, why didn't you just throw them back over? Because I like to keep. You know, I'm going to eat me some of them, but I'm going to give some away. Or what about being selective in in your harvest? You know, only picking, you know, the, the size panfish or you know that that are better for eating instead of you know catching you know a thousand you know fifty little four inch fish. Why don't you load up on ten you know, seven inch fish? And it, it's it's one of those uh, questions that there's really not a right or wrong response. No. To the question well, itself, it's, a, it's, a, it's an imaginative of opinion. Oh, I look at it this way: on my best day ever out brim fishing, I don't think I could ever. I don't think I ever caught fifty uh, as a person. You know what I'm saying? And I always have to judge it by my by what my children would ingest if I did keep them. So right. I do make the mental note of you know my daughter's probably going to eat maybe two, maybe three. Uh, the boy could probably eat about five, five or six before he's done, depending on what else is with it. And I could probably, you know, get about yeah. five or six of them down my gullet too. So you add it up and you say at the most, maybe we'll keep 20. And, and as long as they're decent size. But as Bart pointed out, if I'm catching three to four inches, they're going back over the side. I mean, if yeah. it's not as big as my hand, if it's not worth, you know, filleting or cleaning out and putting in a pan where you can only cook two or three at a time in a nice cast iron skillet, oh, yeah. then, uh, you know, everything else is kind of wasteful. But I can remember the days of my friends uh, would be out there fishing, and I'm like, dude, why are you keeping those snook? Why are you keeping all those reds? Well, you know, I'm going to bring some home to Mr. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so, and then you go over to Mr. So-and-so, and you say, hey, I got these fish for you. Not, they don't know it's coming. 
But in their mind, they're catching it for you know two or three other neighbors, and then the neighbor's like, I already got the freezer stuff the last time he gave it to me. I haven't even eaten those yet. So then you walk around with 10 extra fish, and what do they do with them? Well, if you don't keep them yourself, then they go in the crab trap, or you know, you stuff them in your freezer, and you know, it, it, it just there. I don't think there's any reason to do that unless you really need them. Well, I can, uh, me personally, if I can catch fifty panfish, I'm going to catch fifty, and I'm going to keep fifty. But the conversation just went on from um, sharing some of the stuff, you know, with today's technology, with your cell camera, your cell cellular cameras everybody sees what they do anymore because everybody's happy and they take a picture of it and they share it and then next thing you know that's when uh, the conversations usually open up some good some bad but right for the most part uh, this past week talking about it at work with a couple of other guys that i work with and um, he's like well why would uh why would you keep so many fish and not want to clean them to start with, well, me, I'm I'm cleaning all of them. If you don't want to clean your fish, bring them to me. I'll clean them too. Oh, I've seen. I've, I say it every year at the Panfish Challenge. Glenn is more than happy to take anything you don't want off your hands, and he'll stand right there and clean them bad boys all day. Because I like to have, uh, you know, we do our our wild game cook. We we serve a lot of fish. People come and enjoy the the catch, and uh, you know, around my place, I like to fry them up and have a fish fry once in a while, and having family over. But that's and what friends I'm saying. You you so have, I'm using them. Yeah, you. You've, right. already, you've already had the forethought of what I'm going to do with them and, and use them or what I'm going to use or or use them for uh, the, the wild game dinner. I'm, I'm talking about the people who, like this individual that you spoke of, goes in there and, and makes the determination that I'm going to catch 50 fish, but I don't know what I'm going to do with them after I got them. It was fun for the catch, I guess. Well, moment, yeah, but but you can get right caught up in the, the moment and say, well, man, now i got all these fish. What am I going to do with them? Well, you got to think of it that a lot of people, I would say that they don't really put the, like you said, the forethought into it um, when it comes down to limits. But they look at the limit as that's what that's what my, that's what I'm allowed to catch. That's my goal. And it you goes, know? you know, because the people that uh, may not go out and fish, but once in a while, and they catch half a dozen fish. To them, that's all that they need. That's what they wanted to do. And of course, somebody like myself comes up, and I catch fifty. I'm going to keep my fifty. Uh, combination and i'm going to clean them and i'm going to use them accordingly and uh but when it goes into a legislation it was kind of interesting that that conversation took place this week and of course in the same uh within a couple of days later then the dnr has made this change from 50 to 25 in michigan per person per person and then of course the editor of the uh article was in favor of 25 because he said that's plenty for anyone well, so now he's making a determination of what's plenty for me or for you for or anybody. for anybody. Yeah. So it's going to be one of those things. I know the FWC does a really great job at managing the lakes here in the state of Florida and doing their surveys and making sure that the fish uh, have a healthy population throughout. And uh, these limits are set based on on a lot of the data, data that they collect at the boat ramps when you come in and ask you how many fish you caught. And they put all that together. And uh, well, But I do see that in the probably in the near future – that there'll be a reduction in the number of panfish. There could be, but, uh, you know, I'm the same. I don't know why the conversation doesn't happen in the boat while you're there. If I'm out with Glenn all day and I'm going, are you keeping these or am I keeping these? And you go, well, you know what? If you catch anything extra, if you only want 25, I'll take the rest because I'll use them for the wild game dinner. Okay, fine. Then, right. you know, then it then it's okay. Then there's a use for it. If yeah, not, and I, now he's yeah, really trying time. harder to catch more fish. Well, yeah, because then it's like, wait a minute. You're, how, 
can you, what's that over there? What, what's your bobber doing in my spot? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying that usually you, when you're on a boat with somebody, you're going, are you keeping these or are we keeping these today or, or what are you doing? I mean, I mean that doesn't matter if you're bass fishing or snook fishing or whatever. I mean, that's a normal conversation in a boat. That happens unless you're, you know, absolutely hate the person you're fishing with just because you're just going fishing with them. You know, you're just sitting on the boat silent. <laughs> I don't know if that, if that happens all that much. I don't know if there's somebody you don't like, you're going to go sit, uh, hey, for man, a free five ride on hours, the boat, free ride fishing is a free ride fishing. I don't know. Well, I can t- one thing for sure is I definitely got to be careful because there is a possession limit. And, of course, up there at the panfish tournament, I got to be careful because I've had people come and bring me fish and say, you can have them. And I say, how about if I clean them and I've done this? I'll clean them for you and you take them with you. Oh, really? You do that? They look at you like you're really strange. But um, but once you have that possession limit, you got to be careful. That's right. Because, you know, if you think about it in the dove hunting world mentality, uh, how many people have done that where they're like, well, I've already got my limit, but I'm shooting these for this guy. Because, he, you know, he's nah. only got four. So I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, kill another 20 of them and, uh, you know, spread them out through the And I'd say, Mr. Gunn, come over here. you got some explaining to do. <laughs> but now, I mean, do you think about that? It's been done many, many times, I'm sure. I'm sure. Where everybody throws them in a pile and everybody takes their 12. Uh, whether that guy shot 25 or 30 or this guy only shot four. Right. I mean, uh, now I have stood on the back of the tailgate before where I've only shot six or five or whatever. And. And you're guys you're go, exaggerating. And the guy goes, I've seen you cheat. No, but I'm saying if these guys can go, uh, you know, you get a guy who's got four or five and he doesn't want them, and he's like, well, this is not enough for my family. Does anybody want these doves? I'll be like, right over here, buddy. I only got five. Now I'm up to ten. You know, anybody else don't want their birds? If they got two or three, bring them over here. I'll take them till you get to your limit, and then uh, clean them up, take them, take them home. Well, yeah. it was, I just felt it was a good conversation that took place. And, of course, uh, usually with those type of conversation goes in hand with your 50 on your bait fish. And that's, a, you know, not being able to. That's a totally different kettle yeah. of fish, Find the source, but it's once you start making those changes, guess what? Usually something else follows behind it. And it's not good. How can you regulate bait fish? Man? I, that would be crazy. Now, There's no possibility. Now only can buy two dozen. Oh, Missouri man, well, yeah, okay, but how are you gonna how are you gonna regulate the cast net? Well, it's, it's gonna have to be a limit of shrimp too. You're only allowed twelve shrimp uh, per person per boat. Man, I can eat that many real quick. I'm not talking about for eating. I'm talking oh. about for bait. All right, we're gonna take a break. It is a big and wild. That's not true, by the way. So don't freak out. They're going to be like hoarding shrimp in their backyard. It's a big and wild outdoors. Brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. We'll be back. Hey, hey, welcome back. It is the Monkeys, the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Glenn, and uh, Bart over there. Jonathan's out in the woods today, and Bill George is hanging out over at Camp Mac. They got a little gator uh, seminar thing going over there today. He's over there helping out with uh, the Captain Dave Marquette. They're over there giving out some great pointers and tips, and I'm sure that 99% of the people who show up there will raise their hand, and they don't care about what they're talking about except for, so where do you think the best place to go this year will be? <laughs> <laughs> They'll write down those little notes. Uh, and what what lakes uh, are you think are you feeling that might be a little bit better? And uh, so it'll be going on out there today as well. Uh, before the uh, break, we were talking about the. Uh, it was a conversation that was had. Not that anything has passed or anything like that. Although it did up in Michigan that they have now reduced the amount of uh, perch. What we would call panfish, I guess, up there uh, here. down here. Yeah. Um, 
uh, from 50 to 25. And, you know, usually when that happens, DNR's uh, fishing game around the country start looking and going, you know, maybe we should uh, start looking into that here in our own little home state. So, uh, you know. Glenn has already predicted gloom and doom, and that someday in the future well, it'll probably be down to twenty five. Well, I've, I've I've made a, an observation. Now you're talking about uh, Minnesota perch, okay? Those are the those are the the was it the yellow with yeah. the, the stripes on the side? Correct. That's not not a bluegill. It's, a, it's actually a different species, if I believe, if I remember correctly. Well, it's, they call it a perch. However, the uh, you look at you know warmouth perch right here in the state of Florida. Uh, so those are part of the perch family, and okay. they're still considered a pan, in the panfish category. So therefore, you know, it, it's there is a twenty-five limit now imposed up there, and of course, you know, usually what happens around in the surrounding states, regardless right. of how far away. I mean, look at we're now down to five deer per year per hunter, uh, and those limits are like that to our northern states as well. Yeah, I mean, we're still with no tag system here, though. But it's still. That's the limit. It's a reporting right. system, you, you, and uh, we'll yeah. see where it goes from there. But uh, when it comes to fishing, I did want to bring up this little story that came out this past week. Uh, and I've immediately thought of Bart when I read this story. Uh-oh. It seems like there was a young man down in New South Wales. Uh, boy was out there. His name is Jason. He was fishing. And they were fishing for uh, sharks off the coast when he hooked a bronze whaler shark, which was probably maybe about four feet long or so out there. So... As he's reeling that bad boy in, of course, immediately almost, a bigger mako immediately devoured the whaler shark and, of course, immediately got hooked on there. And the mako shark was on there, and he's fighting the mako shark now, trying to get the mako shark in, when all of a sudden something came up and ate the mako shark. (laughs) Wow, the food chain is alive and well. And uh, it literally bit it almost completely in half. And left him with nothing but the head. And uh, the Mako shark, the head of the Mako, weighed 220 pounds. Whoa. And that would put the intact shark somewhere in the neighborhood of around 550 pounds. So something that weighed more than 550 pounds decided to come up and uh, eat the Mako shark. Well, of course, down in Australia, what's the first one you think of? Great white. Great white shark. Possible tiger. They say that it was more likely a tiger shark that came up and actually hit it the way that it does because of the way that uh, the great whites feed coming up off the bottom, hitting their prey, and then going away. Whereas the tiger shark comes in, gets a giant hold of it, takes a giant bite, and then swims away. <laughs> yeah, eats as much as it possibly can in that moment. So they say that the uh, tiger shark that most likely uh, took down the 550-pound mako shark was somewhere between the numbers of 10 and 16 feet, weighing somewhere between 800 and 1,500 pounds uh, to be able to do that feat. <laughs> that is a but lot I, of sandwiches. But I said, you know, it's the ultimate fishing trip. Yeah. I caught a shark. Then it got eaten by another shark, and I caught it. And then I had that one, and then I caught another shark that ate that one. It's like the... Remember the little evolution sticker you used to see where it was the bait fish, then the bigger fish, then the bigger fish, then the bigger right. fish? Yeah. <laughs> but you don't get any credit for it. And it all, all happened. You end up with was what's left of the first right. or the all, second fish. But it all happened on one line. <laughs> and it immediately thought, it reminded me of the time we were out offshore uh, with JJ back in the day. And yeah. every time Bart would catch a nice little bonita out there, it would only come back as a head. Yeah, and then, and then you guys wanted to go swimming right after that. Uh, well, you know, barracudas don't usually eat human beings, so I wasn't really too concerned about it until I saw the size of it. 
It was probably what a six, seven foot. No, nah, it was a big boy. I mean, it, at least five. I mean, at the at, at the minimum, the that guy, was a big he, cuda. He would just hang around the, the perimeter of the boat. And Didn't every time. want nothing else. Nothing we put, else. We put we put he, was it pinfish, greenbacks, uh, shrimp, artificials, <laughs> everything in front of him. But the second that that bonita head went down back down in there, he was like, "That's what I want." Yeah, it yeah. was easy peasy. It was like uh, you know, okay, we'll just get him in there, catch him, you know, teach him a lesson, and he'll be on his way. No, mm-hmm. wasn't happening. He was like, yeah, I'm not falling for that. I'm waiting for that I've big one I've been underneath there. these shade boats many, many times. Exactly. <laughs> That's what's going on. That, see, that was my thought. It's like, wait a minute. So he just came out from underneath the boat. What else is underneath the boat that I don't see? And you guys want to go fishing? Enjoy that. I'll take the sunburn. No, we'll go swimming. <laughs> yeah, he'll stay away from us. Don't worry about it. But, I mean, you talk about the fishing story of a lifetime. That kid has got uh, stories to tell his grandkids. It would have been better if they had one. Did they get a video? I mean, no, nowadays. No, but they did have a picture of the head. Okay. Uh, what was left of the uh, the Mako shark. I'm sure the excitement level was really high to the point to where nobody even thought about grabbing their phone to, to uh, record. No. <laughs> I always look at it this way. When I hear a story like that, uh, I, I don't, I'm not too concerned about the... Uh, the great white shark when I'm out swimming around out in the Gulf or out in the ocean or anything like that. The two that always worry me are the bull shark and the tiger shark. Yeah. Those are the only two that I really have any concerns about. Sand sharks, black tail, hammerheads, whatever. Lemon sharks, yeah. whatever, yeah. Yeah, I'm all A shark is a shark. No, Period. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess you could say that, but uh, when it comes to where I... Uh, end up on the menu of said shark. Yeah, the chances of you being a filet mignon had, for a tiger. Or... I had a buddy of mine moved out to California, and I asked. You know, he used to surf, surf constantly here on the East Coast. I was like, dude, did you get any surf out there? He's like, no, nah, man, I sold the boards. Why? He goes, I'm not going swimming in that water. <laughs> There's things that are bigger than me in there. I'm not going swimming in that water. You're not swimming. You're surfing. It's all good. Uh, Just so stay on good. the board. Don't fall off. Yeah, seals. There's a difference why we don't have great white attacks here and versus over in California. The ones out in California are geared to go after top you know, surface, you know, swimming seals, whereas we don't have them here. Well, they're here. They're what, just, we don't have any seals. That's what I mean, the seals. We have tarpons, so just don't wear a white T-shirt when you swim. You're all good. Okay, good. Hey, okay, uh, what do I do with this here really white skin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm covering it up with a brown darker shirt. shirt or what? Yeah, put a brown shirt on. You know, put something on there. Uh, get yourself a nice little bruised uh, green pumpkin shirt. And yeah, that there way, you go. Green back. There that, we go. That way you only have to worry about a bass green coming, back. coming up and getting you. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit. Bart brought an interesting subject. We were talking the other day. We were out at a little festival with the kids, and we were talking about the Panfish Challenge coming up, and my kids are all excited to be up there and go and all that kind of stuff. And I said, I think I'm going to change out my hooks this year. I think I'm going to get away from the old standard uh, J-hook. And Bart was saying, dude, have you used those little tiny miniature little circle hooks they make now? Who makes them? Uh, I, I got mine through Gamagatsu. Yeah, I just yeah, and I'm sure there's multiple different owners. Probably make some, uh, you know, Eagle Claw. They, I mean, I'm sure that they are. But do you know what size they are? I, I mean, mean uh, they're like twelve, I think. What? Like little, yeah, like twelve aught or something. Like stupid small. I'm not exactly sure. Twelve aught would be really, really big. Okay, well, probably I don't, number twelve or 10. yeah, like number twelves or something like that. Well, it could be a twelve slash zero. Right, <laughs> it would be really small. Yeah, twelve. I think it is a twelve slash zero. But uh, I use them for my for my my youngest uh, fishing line because he he doesn't have the, the the knowledge yet to understand that he needs to you know reel it in when it, or you know set the hook. So I just have to go reel 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 reel, and he starts reeling. And every single time, that corner sounds of the familiar. Mouth. Doesn't it sound familiar? Yeah, though? I heard that before. Yeah. 
but the 12 slash is whatever with zero is usually a big hook. Big, big old boy. Yeah, okay. Number so he, 10, eights. You'd have to go like zero, uh, zero slash point 12. One no, or there's two. just going to be 10, 8, or 12. That's all the numbers. Okay. So, anyway. Well, I mean, it, I don't have the package with me, and I took them all out and put them in the tackle box, you know, that kind of thing. I don't well, as long as they work, that's what counts. When they you do. said that, when you said that, I went and looked at uh, Gamagatsu's uh, website, and here's one that I really like: the barbless big river bait hook. I want to see how that one worked. What do you think? That one there, look at that long shank on that bad boy. It probably worked very well. The uh, I went on a fishing thing with the uh, took the with Trinity. We went out and caught a bunch of bluegills for uh, with the. I forget what the name of the anyway. It's a children's home, mm-hmm. and uh, took those kids out, and they were they've never fished. And of course, we mashed the barbs down on the hook, and it was kind of what you just had. It looked just like it, and uh, works very well. I was really surprised that they didn't get off as easy. Well, you know, as long as you keep tension on it, you're all yeah. good. And the reason why I say that is because. You know, sometimes when you get the real small little uh, J hooks on there and with the long shank on it, those brim have a tendency to get that thing way down in there. Yeah. And you know you're going to end up killing it. I mean, it's a little tiny three-incher or something that decided he was going to come up there and get that bait. And uh, I always like, man. Well, the barb helps keep the worm on the hook. That's but true. By mashing it down, them things wiggle, they fall right off. Yeah. Well, but I when know. you're using spam, the little tiny circle hooks are easier to hide in that spam. That's what I'm talking about. All right, we're going to take a break. Is this spam and donut? Wow, top that of the hour. That sounds really good. <laughs> Not really. But you guys did all that yapping and flapping. We burned up an hour. Okay, we're going to go uh, for number two in a minute. We're just going to take a real quick break. We're brought to you by G5 Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. 